Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we continue our Planets and Profile series by looking at the moon in the sign of Taurus. So those of you guys who follow my channel for a while know that the Planets and Profile series, we take uh, each of the planets through the 12 signs. We've done Venus, Mercury, and Mars. This is now a series devoted to the moon through the 12 signs. We already did the moon in Aries today, moon in Taurus. So that is our agenda for today. By the way, stick around at the end of the episode because Kaylee Haynes will be back doing some of her amazing uh, spoken word uh, poetry um, and adding or, yeah, like adding or deepening really our understanding of the moon in Taurus through her artwork. So if you enjoyed that part of the first episode in Aries and lots of people did, be sure you stick around at the end because Kaylee will be coming back to share some of her artwork. Um, so that is our agenda for today. Before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe. Share your comments and reflections, especially if you have the moon in Taurus. Help us understand what you have experienced or add to our understanding today by contribu contributing your own thoughts and reflections. We always appreciate it when you guys do that. You can find a transcript of today's talk on the website, nightlightastrology.com. And when you go over to nightlightastrology.com right now, you guys know that we are in the process of enrollment season for the next class. Uh, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic, my first year program. There are four years worth of uh, professional curriculum that we host through the Nightlight Astrology School. The first year course starts uh, in November on the 18th again. And so if you want to jump into that course, you can enroll now. Um, if you scroll down on the first year course page at nightlightastrology.com, you will learn more about what the curriculum includes. It is a foundational course in ancient Greek Hellenistic astrology shares a lot of the same roots with Indian astrology and will give you a really amazing foundation for understanding why we do everything that we do in astrology, where everything comes from. You may have, you know, memorized themes and adjectives for houses, signs, planets, but where do houses, signs, planets come from in the first place? And how is the whole system built philosophically? Once we understand that, we have not only, uh, you know, an amazing set of techniques and tools that we use for delineating charts, but we also have a grasp on where they all come from, which is what grants us intuitive power as astrologers. And that's really, really important. Um, ancient astrology is also if you already have a background in sort of modern archetypal depth psychology and archetypal astrology, um, this class is going to help you develop predictive abilities. Um, the half of astrology is being able to do something like karmic analytics, while the other half is about being able to help people unpack the interior psychological meaning and experience of uh, their chart and transits. So we're looking at doing both, but what, what one thing that ancient astrology really gives us is the ability to understand the um, sort of the karmic uh, faded events and circumstances of life, the themes, the people, the places that we will likely encounter. And so ancient astrology is really good for sharpening your ability to um, predict and describe the uh, destined events of a lifetime. In addition to being able to, our, our course also, of course, will it, the program will also help you develop the skills to be able to describe character, personality, and psychology. But both are really necessary. Anyway, uh, there's 30 classes on the year. Everything meets live via webinars, but you can also attend remotely if you can't attend the live webinars. Everything's kept for you on a website, so you can download, keep it, watch it at your leisure, take the program at the pace that you want to, or attend live. At the bottom of the screen, you'll find that there are several payment options. Early Bird saves you $500 off. There is a payment plan you can use to spread the tuition out over 12 monthly installments. That's a really helpful plan because 
that gives you just a little bit of uh, space every month. You don't have to have a big cost up front. And then there's tuition assistance. That we're really excited about. We still have plenty of spots available. Uh, they will they will be um, there will be fewer of them the closer we get to the deadline. So make sure you apply uh, early if you need that. Um, that is for people who, for one reason or another, need a little help because you don't want to uh, push yourself outside of your means to take a course. We understand people come from a variety of different financial backgrounds and situations. So we want people who we want people who want to study astrology taking our programs that we don't think people should be priced out. So if you could use a little help, use the tuition assistance, we'd be glad to uh, work with you. Okay, any questions you have about the program, email us info at nightlightastrology.com. On that note, let us get into the moon in Taurus. I think that uh, the moon in Taurus is one of, from a traditional standpoint, it is one of the, um, along with Cancer, it is the most well-dignified place that the moon has in the zodiac. You might have a like a separate talk on dignities, you know, maybe a, a separate series where we could visit the dignities of the planets. But I'll, I'll describe it a little bit today. Anyway, we've got this slick presentation from our um, sort of like chief curriculum developer. Once I make the curriculum, I have someone who develops it into these presentations. Her name's Delia. So thanks to Delia for making these beautiful slides. Um, in today's video, we're going to look at the moon in the sign of Taurus. And we need to start, there's some preliminary information that we need before we can piece together the mean, the archetypal meaning or significance of the moon in Taurus. Um, you have to understand the nature of the planet first. The moon's universal significations are those that represent the broadest philosophical meanings or the broadest symbolic application for the individual soul. So on that big universal level, the moon was representative of the realm of fortune, which means the basic circumstantial flow of events in everyday life, everyday life. If you think about what happens from the time you get up to the time you come back home in the evening from work, all of the interesting things that pop up. I mean, sometimes life is just very mundane and it's all very repetitive and it's all very predictable. But the moon is sort of about the constant fluctuation of events and circumstances as they change uh, each and every day. So the moon represented the realm of fortune, the everyday uh, ebb and flow of uh, events in the material world, as well as the constant changing of our environments, our mood, our emotions, our mind, our body, and again, material circumstances around us, what a coworker is, uh, you know, a coworker smells, smells like onions that affects your mood, you bark at your boss, you get fired, right? That's the moon's world. The moon's world is the world of kind of the the ebb and flow of everyday events that's constantly moving around us like, like water we're swimming in that we don't even recognize. So the moon has a lot to do with the kind of environment that our lifetime takes place in. Like if you think of the life as something happening on a stage, the moon is like the stage, the set, you know, it's a, or, or the setting. So um, this is kind of the broad meaning of the moon. Now, by contrast, the moon also has topical significations, which are much more specific or concrete, uh, specific people, places, and things. The moon, for example, topically represents things like body, the body, or bodies, or the, the physical body, um, mothers, women, home and family, ancestry, tribe, the village, clan, the local culture that you're a part of, or cultures that you're not a part of. The moon can represent marriage and pregnancy and childbirth, also anything that we nurture or devote ourselves to, and things as concrete as food and cooking. And there's much more, many more things, but all of these are like the topical significations of the moon. So for that level, on, on that level, it becomes 
somewhat difficult to generically describe what the moon in any sign means because in your lifetime, if you have the moon in Taurus, that will come to represent a lot of very specific things. And it will also come to represent things as broad and uh, sort of overarching as the environment and the, the, the characteristics or themes that somehow describe or define the environment from birth to death. So, it, you know, the moon is sort of describing the ecosystem of your life, but it's also describing things like as concrete as potentially your, your mother or the kinds of homes you live in, the kinds of communities that you're a part of, and so forth. Now, the significations of the moon, in when we then put the moon into any given sign, are modified uh, through the qualities of that sign. And this is where we also get the dignity categories from for all of the planets. So the meaning of a sign is most primarily related to its hosts, and then secondarily by the various qualities of the sign it occupies. So for example, when we put the moon in any sign other than Cancer and Taurus, it's going to express itself through the nature of the ruling planet or planets. For example, when we looked at the moon in Aries, we talked a lot about the moon expressing itself through the fiery masculine uh, lens of Mars and the place Aries also being the exaltation of the sun, that the moon will come to represent uh, characteristics of the Mars, the, the sort of fiery masculine Mars and sun qualities that are characteristic of Aries. Well, the exception to this general principle of delineation is when the moon is in one of its own signs. When the moon is one of in one of its own signs, that would be Cancer or Taurus, its domicile being Cancer, its exaltation being Taurus, you get a version of the moon that's very comfortable because it's sort of in a sign that resembles its own nature. The moon in Taurus can thus be understood according to the following features. Taurus is the temple of Venus and the moon. So again, the moon gets to feel nice and at home. It's a solid yin earth sign. So we have the quality of the sign being solid, very stable, fixed, sometimes it's called. Yin being feminine uh, and the element of earth, which is also considered feminine. But so you get all of that together. You also add in the idea that this is the sign of the bull. It's the second sign of spring. It's the sign when within which the light dominant half of the year is stabilizing as the light continues to grow stronger. Light takes over in Aries from darkness. It kind of hands over and becomes dominant for the next uh, six signs. In the second sign of spring, the dominance of the light has been established. And now we're stabilizing that that kind of spring-like quality as the light is continuing to grow. So this is a, a springy, earthy, Venusian, stable, light-growing Venus-Moon type of place. Very lovely. Um, the one thing that I would say that might make it a little bit easier to understand is that uh, the Moon is very comfortable in Taurus, but it's a very different kind of Moon than a Cancer Moon which is the other domicile of the moon, the other place that the moon feels very comfortable in. In a sense, you get the Taurus moon as a kind of more earthy Venusian moon, which is the moon is very comfortable with, feels very at home in. But this is one way that can be like a, the simplest way that I would describe what a moon in Taurus is like, is you get a very stable, earthy, sensual Venusian kind of moon, uh, which again, the moon is very happy with. It's like a very good, you get a lot of very positive 
um, expressions of the moon when it is in Taurus. And that's why it's so well dignified or considered exalted. Themes and characters and themes related to the moon in Taurus, you get this kind of earth mother vibe. So it's like the mother, but very earthy, which can also uh, be reflected in, in sort of like pagan, earthy, Venusian goddess worship. Um, it's a very down-to-earth kind of feminine spiritual quality. Like a moon and Taurus people often have a very earthy, pagan, sensual um, spiritual spirituality or, or spiritual uh, expression. It's romantic, it's lush, it's artistic, it's fertile, it's sensual. The moon in Cancer is, it's, it's very different. You get a much more sort of uh, nocturnal and maternal quality in Cancer. It's much more, um, the Cancerian archetype is, uh, it, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the same kind of uh, sensual Venusian side. I'm not saying that there isn't a very sensual side to the moon in Cancer, but um, I, when, I, when I think of the, the moon in Taurus, for example, you get a lot of the images that come to mind are very much more sexual and sort of fertile and earthy. Anyway, uh, stable, solid, reliable, enjoyable. Uh, the moon in Taurus is often an indicator of good fortune, great good fortune or abundance. Um, the environment is somehow lush and sort of fecund and fertile and yields like uh, bountiful fruit, so to speak. There's a warm, easy, smooth, comfortable, grounded uh, quality with the moon in Taurus. Now, that doesn't mean that life is just perfect and easy. If you have the moon in Taurus, there can be a lot of other things in a birth chart than the moon in Taurus that qualify or sort of um, shift what is being emphasized in a lifetime. Fecund, powerful, sexual, and possessive. There is some. There are some dark sides to the moon in Taurus as well. The tendency to be possessive, uh, lusty, hedonistic, greedy, um, interest, a kind of obsession with power, wealth, and beauty, and nice things, which can mean, you know, like straight up uh, power-hungry materialism. Uh, but uh, every every planet and every sign has light and dark sides, so it's it's important to cover them. But mostly, you get a lot of very positive, sort of rich, lush, um, feminine sort of goddess themes with the moon in Taurus. Uh, you can see that the moon in Taurus will be reflected in terms of um, people who are appreciators of all that is animal, natural, and primal, which is sort of like the, if you think about the image of the bull as the, the sort of uh, the power of heaven as it's represented in the procreative side of nature, uh, this kind of lusty, natural, primal force that um, is uh, enjoyable and, and cr creatively uh, powerful, but can be almost like domineering or controlling at times, uh, the dark side of our lust drive or something like that, or the, you know, the sort of the problem of gold. Uh, lust, desire, cravings, and and the power of anything habitual. Uh, Taurus moons are, are like things to be stable, which means that there's often a, an appreciation for things that are habitual. Anything that's wealthy, expensive, or abundant is often associated with a Taurus moon, but also determined, persevering, loyal, persistent, and devoted. You'll find, for example, that Taurus moons are great to have on board if you need someone who will stick with, uh, stick with it 
remain nurturing, devoted, loyal, persistent, and sort of stubbornly uh, caring for things or managing things or holding things together. There, remember, this is a sign of the moon and Venus. And so the ability to harmonize, to nurture, and to keep things together is one of the uh, hallmarks of the moon in Taurus. It's a pagan, feminine, nocturnal, lunar, and deeply mysterious sign. Can't forget that this sign is really also associated with all that is dark, primal, mysterious, and sensual about the earth and the body. But it can also be very simple, sta safe, stable, and sweet. I always like to say, you know, Moon and Taurus is sort of like uh, barefoot in the in like barefoot walking through a meadow, eating a piece of apple pie, you know, with with a, a sundress on or something. Uh, but anyway, you get some of the, hopefully this gives you just a feel for the moon in Taurus. Now I want to take you through the, the just charts of people who have just little aspects of their life that sort of pop when it comes to moon in Taurus. So here's Mother Teresa. Now there's lots of things you could say about these charts. I'm not going to like do a full examination of the charts or anything, but I find it interesting that the moon was in Taurus and Mother Teresa was born along with a bunch of Virgo planets, by the way. Um, Saturn was also in Taurus. And so one of the things that, um, you know, and I'm not, by the way, anyone that I talk about, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, uh, suggest that you have to like these people or that every single thing they did was, uh, should, you know, I'm not here to judge anyone, right? Positively or negatively, just to share details about the life that are archetypal in one way or another. So the moon in Taurus, along with Saturn, one of the interesting things is that she was moved by the dis disparity between uh, the, the wealth and, and safety of the um, convent that she was living in and the poverty that was right outside of the door in the streets in Calcutta. And so that just that distinction, that, that sort of uh, awareness of the distinction between wealth and poverty, which is something that oftentimes Taurus moons will care quite a bit about, even if you know, you have some Taurus moons that are all about the, the greed or the power or the wealth or the beauty side of things. You'll also find that there's a very kind of egalitarian, compassionate urge to um, care for people that that the, the sight of people who are suffering materially is sometimes very hard for Tauruses to bear. And I'll show you some other examples of that too, especially when the moon here is with Saturn, which can make someone more acute of the polarization between people that have a lot and people that have a little. Saturn was a lord of opposites. Anyway, um, one of her goals in life, however successful she was or wasn't, uh, was to provide for people who were suffering materially, especially like healthcare and stuff like that. How about, how about Jim Morrison? There's that kind of interesting piece about him is that he's got the moon in Taurus, but opposite Venus and Scorpio, the, the ruler. So there's kind of a uh, the, the, the kind of primal, he just has almost the look on his face is almost bull-like to me. But anyway, he had that just that kind of primal, pagan, sensual, mysterious quality to his music. Um, of course, struggled with substances as well. Um, Robert Downey Jr., uh, it, famously one of the most wealthy and successful, financially successful actors in Hollywood of all time. Uh, Jupiter also in Taurus, Moon in Taurus, of course, struggled mightily with addiction and substances and um, has talked at length about the problems of, of wealth and power and greed and substance. Interesting. Uh, Meryl Streep. To me, Meryl Streep is one of the most powerful depictors of female characters in 
all different, like so many different stories where she's embodied, uh, embodied women, strong women, uh, women who have to, uh, you know, kind of feel their power somehow by the time the story's over, if they haven't at the outset of the story. But she's like, in my mind, she's one of the, and it's interesting that she has Venus in Cancer um, as well, because that creates a, uh, there's an applying sextile. So it depends exactly on if this is a rectified chart or not. I can't remember, but anyway, moon Venus mutual reception as well. So the the power of the women that she's played and and who and what she's done for women in Hollywood has been really significant. Just a an example of a tremendously successful uh, female actor who has been um, known for depicting uh, women and their relationship with power or disempowerment. Uh, Carl Jung. I find this one interesting because Jung had the moon in Taurus along with Neptune and Pluto. And of course he was along coming out of the lineage of uh, Sigmund Freud, deeply interested in the unconscious, in the connection between the animal body and the um, almost like the division between spirit and soul or uh, the soul and the body and the interplay between the unconscious world and the conscious um, in, in many respects, Carl Jung was, you know, someone I once heard James Hillman describe him as the first pagan psychologist. And I thought that was a really nice way of putting it. Anyway, I could go on and on about, uh, Jung. He's a complex character and I'm certainly not here to like idolize or, or worship anyone, but in terms of someone who's legacy in the exploration of the the human soul and the human unconscious and its relation to the, to the body and to the animal instincts, um, really uh, makes a ton of sense that he would have the moon co-present with Neptune and Pluto in Taurus. Lindsay Lohan. I, I picked some examples where people just struggled mightily with wealth, uh, substance, uh, he, you know, sort of that hedonistic tendency and like having to overcome it or work through it. Uh, there's Lindsay Lohan is a, a you know very famous example, but Bill Clinton, and I, and I, I I'm just using this very briefly. Bill Clinton, of course, is someone who very famously, uh, and by the way, Monica Lewinsky also has the moon in Taurus, which I find interesting, but uh, if I remember correctly, maybe I'm wrong. No, I think she does. Anyway, Bill Clinton had to very publicly explore that he has this uh, very lusty side, right? And so a lot of what I see in the Taurus moon is the duality between like the, the animal desire body and you know, the, the sort of shadow, it's like the bull and the minotaur, like a, there's like a duality. I was actually talking with um, a woman recently, Emma Frey, you guys might remember her from Patterns in the Stars. And we were talking about the different uh, characters that people play. And this is like a, a new project she has coming out that we might even do something with on um, the, the, my channel at some point. But there's this weird way in which, you know, the, the shadow of, of Taurus is like, the, there's the beautiful bull. And then there's the kind of like, ravenous minotaur. And I just feel like there's a number of examples, whether it's Robert Downey Jr., Jim Morrison, Lindsay Lohan, Bill Clinton, where it's the shadow of like lust is, uh, it's a big deal. Um, Mick Jagger, I mean, I don't even need to say anything more about that. That's just, a, that, I mean, there's the same kind of pagan, um, earthy, sensual, feminine power that's just very strong. But you'll see it expressed in so many different ways. Um, Bob Dylan, same thing. He, of course, he had Saturn, Uranus, Jupiter, and the moon all in Taurus. Um, he 
was obviously so many things, uh, but I mean, uh, among them, I think one of the things that we know him best as is a folk artist. There's no word that, I mean, there's no combination of words that might describe the moon and Taurus better than folk art. Um, and so you have one of the greatest known folk artists of the last, you know, hundred years with the moon and Taurus. Um, Kobe Bryant is a really interesting example because Sometimes what happens with um, Moon and Taurus people is, of course, the success can be like really profound, like astronomical levels of success that or wealth or prestige or something that the Taurus moon can represent. But also one of the interesting things about the Moon and Taurus is the power of habit. Like you will find that some of the people who have the most, um, that they're, they're well known for the power of like habit, habit leads to success. Habit leads to wealth, habit leads to power, et cetera. Kobe Bryant, I mean, whether, again, not judging him as a human being, just observing one of the qualities of his life that people have noted is that he was one of the most habitually driven people ever. Now he's got Mars and Pluto together, right? And he's got an exalted Jupiter in the moon sign too. But that, that moon in Taurus especially is the hallmark. You'll see it over and over again of people who are successful because they have a way of staying in controlled, good, positive habits that yield success. Uh, it's it's one of the, um, like if I see people with Taurus moons that are afflicted, sometimes I find that like, you know, they, they, they have trouble keeping habits and rhythms though they really desire to, for example. Anyway, that's another comment. We could kind of go down a, 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 some rabbit holes here, but I'll keep us going. Frida Kahlo. I mean, to me, again, one of the most uh, powerful sort of, female pagan uh you know this is kind of dark primal mysterious force of her artwork and the 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 um speaking to the state of power or disempowerment in in that women experience so she's i would i would describe her as a feminist um and an artist i don't know if everyone would agree with that or not but that's how i would describe her and um moon and taurus again just the the and the power of habit too like her habits as an artist were really in, incredible. Um, so she has Venus and Pluto together too, and that's the ruler of the moon. And that also speaks to some of that really intense um, force that comes through her artwork. Like it just, her artwork is so um, moving, but at any rate, the hallmark of um, many people with that kind of I want us to think the way I want people to walk away from this is to remember that there's that kind of nice, nice, easy, stable, sweet, sensual, simple Taurus. There's also this kind of dark, powerful, primordial pagan um, earth goddess energy that comes through. Elton John, I think a very similar story. Of course, he has the moon um, also in, in Taurus. So there's some other things in his chart that I think stand out like the, um, Mars Uranus square, for example, or the moon square Saturn, depending on if the, I don't, I don't recall if this is rectified or not, but so, but another good, good example of someone who, you know, if you think about like his, his costumes and his stage, like his stage presence and performances, a lot of it has just this very powerful, feminine, earthy, sensual, primordial power behind it. Um, River Phoenix is another great example of, of a Hollywood star who struggled mightily with substance, but also was very compelling for people. You can kind of see the bull in his face in the same, same way you can see it in Jim Morrison's. Um, but anyway, the, uh, the, the primal earthy, um, mysterious magic 
of River Phoenix, very moon and Taurus. And of course he had Saturn there too, which makes it a little bit more problematic. But of course he had uh, substance issues that were, um, you know, really unfortunate, sort of a, a tragedy. Edgar Casey, another example of the Taurus moon along with Neptune and Pluto, kind of like a, 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 a kind of a similar vibe to Carl Jung's chart, a ton of Pisces energy in his chart, which makes a lot of sense. But Edgar Casey was fascinated with the, um, you know, the study of the unconscious with magic and mystery. And um, th there's a real like a, a pagan um, uh, depth to his work, as well as there being this kind of mystical otherworldly quality. But never underestimate the moon in Taurus um, it, for its ability to um, get us interested in things that are um, like occult-like. And I think one of the reasons for that is that a lot of the most occult-like, um, uh, what do I want to call them? Like areas of investigation or or. Like what I'm trying to say is that throughout history, a lot of the a lot of occult matters are deeply feminine and earthy and sensual and Venusian, and so the Moon in Taurus is naturally interested in like sacred Earth mysteries. Anyway, that's Edgar Casey, Brendan Fraser. I think um, you know again, like one of the things that I I think is really interesting is he recently played a character struggling with, um, I think I want to call it like a disordered eating. Uh, it was, he was just in a movie called The Whale. And it was uh, about a man who's struggling with disordered eating. And I think it was, you know, like, um, like severe obesity and to the point where, you know, like he couldn't get out of his house or something like that. I don't know. And I think that he won an award for it or he was nominated for some awards or something. But the point is, one of the things is that uh, Brendan Fraser has actually struggled with various, um, again, very, uh, like physical uh, issues, substance issues, uh, bodily issues. And the moon in Taurus will often, especially in this case, it's opposite Neptune too. But, you know, the moon in Taurus will put us in touch with the power and the problem of the body. Um, and, and there's almost like a duality of light and dark around desire and pleasure that has to be explored for moon and Taurus natives. You can see the bull in his face too. And there's Karl Marx. Remember earlier I said that one of the, one of the things you'll often find with, um, Moon and Taurus people is an a more a kind of an acute awareness of people that uh, enjoy um, a sort of materially opulent or stable life, and those that have very little. That the same duality that's there between, say, pleasure and um, like like lust or something, will be present when it comes to those who have a lot and those who have very little. And sometimes that tension between like wealth and poverty uh, or greed and um, charity or something like that will be present in the lives of people who have strong Taurus placements. Um, you know, I'm a Taurus rising, for example, and I've, I, ever since I started doing astrology, I've always felt really acutely aware of, um, you know, that some people need a different price point to be able to afford to study astrology. And I've always considered that as I've learned and studied astrology to be in part represented by the fact that I'm a Taurus rising and people with Taurus uh, placements will often be more aware of the difference between like wealth, ease, stability, materially speaking, and um, the lack of those things that create stress or anxiety or a feeling of instability. And so sometimes you'll see people 
you know, Tauruses that have just like tons of, of wealth and success. But then, you know, sometimes you'll also see the Taurus as almost like a, has a, there's a kind of charitable humanitarian impulse. Anyway, I'm not necessarily saying that that's exactly who Karl Marx is, but he was someone who was acutely aware of the difference between class and wealth and income and stuff like that. Uh, Eckhart Tolle was Tolle, I think that's how you say his name, uh, Moon and Taurus. I find that, um, you know, again, he actually, I feel like he looks like the bull a little bit. Like he's just had that look. Uh, and I feel like it's very characteristic of people with strong Taurus placements where you can almost see a little bit of the bull in them. But one of the things that um, Eckhart Tolle has done throughout the course of his life is he has preached and cultivated powerful, positive habits of mindfulness that can create peace and simplicity and stability psychically, emotionally. So he's someone who I know like there's this very spiritual side to him and you can see like the sun is in Aquarius and stuff like that. Jupiter's in Sag. So he has a kind of like new age sage quality to him, but don't underestimate how powerful, uh, the, the, how powerful the Taurus moon is when it comes to the simple cultivation of daily habits, you know, daily habits that create stability, peace, ease, and obviously there's this exploration in Taurus between like wealth materially and sort of wealth spiritually. And Eckhart Tolle, though being massively successful and wealthy, is someone who really talks about, you know, the wealth of being present and that our stability, our peace, our real center of, of happiness comes from the most powerful, simple habits of mindfulness. Very Taurus moon. Floyd Mayweather Jr., one of the most disciplined boxers of all time. One of the great examples of someone who's, you know, almost flawless best boxer of all time status, he would say comes from the power of simple, effective habits that he never deviated from. Isn't that amazing? Like in the same thing with Kobe Bryant, uh, the moon and Taurus. And I always like, I feel like it slips under people's radars. So they'll look for Mars. They'll say, oh, look, he's got, you know, Floyd Mayweather has Mars opposite Saturn. So that's where the discipline comes from. And like, yeah, that's a, that's not a bad, it's a good sign for like a fighter and a boxer, someone who can persevere, who has endurance and so on and so forth. But don't underestimate moon and Taurus people when it comes to the power of effective habits that create success. Now there's Monica Lewinsky with the moon in Taurus. I just had to point out that I thought it was interesting that she also had the moon in Taurus uh, along with Bill Clinton. There, <laughs> or you have like Howard Stern, right? I would say that he's he's a really great moon in Taurus example because he's someone that illustrates the sort of perverse, dark side of of the like you know he's sort of a he's sort of perverted. <laughs> I'm just saying that's my own opinion. Who you know who am I? I don't you know I don't mean I don't mean to be judgy. But he's got kind of this like dark perverse side. But he also is someone who has is known for making everyone feel a little bit more comfortable with their their cravings, their appetite, their sexual nature. He's a sort of pagan he's a sort of pagan bull priest. He's sort of sick and raunchy, you know, and I'm sure is for many people is going to be very disturbing. Of course he has Mars, Saturn in, in Scorpio all, as well. Right. And a bunch of Capricorn planets, <clears throat> but don't underestimate. I mean, think about how habitual he's been with his show, how, how, how every day, how regular he's been people like the moon and Taurus, they find regular habits and they just do the same thing over and over and over.
But I would describe him, as, again, as getting us in touch with the primal power of the bull and the shadow of the minotaur. Dennis Rodman, very, uh, he also has like the bull ring in his nose, right? The same thing. He's a double Taurus, dark moon and Taurus. He's someone who, uh, it was a car, the marriage to Carmen Electra. Remember he wore the bride's dress and everything. Great example of someone who is making us look, some, somehow forcing us to look at this kind of dark, earthy, sensual, pagan magic. It, what it means to be a sexual being a, and someone who's powerful. Uh, but, you know, there's a, a way in which they, the Taurus moon people can make us look at the, at the Minotaur as well. It's interesting. Bill Maher, very similar, a comedian, uh, not, I wouldn't put him in the same like bin as, as, uh, Howard Stern, but he's someone who's like, uh, you know, he's, he advocates for smoking marijuana. He advocates for people being more real and honest about their sort of earthy, sensual, embodied side, right? So he, like as a comedian, I would say you know, he's a lot of things and he's not your cup of tea. Don't worry, because I'm not necessarily the world's biggest fan. Uh, and, it, you know, he's probably he said lots of things that are offensive, too, and, and probably been, uh, you know, some I know some groups of people really don't like him, you know, totally fine. But but in terms of the archetype of what buttons he presses, the and again, just think of that split between bull and minotaur. The bull is like a sensual, peaceful, sort of fecund image. The minotaur as, you know, comparatively uh, sort of dark and possessed by some kind of um, instinctual unconsciousness. So uh, he represents some of that in his comedy, both probably in the things that he makes us laugh about and some, probably some of the things that he makes people angry about. Galileo. Uh, I'm, I'm not surprised uh, that Galileo, someone who was considered by some to be uh, a heretic because of the way that he looked at the earth in relation to the sun. You know, the, the, the sun was at the center, not the earth. Um, it's just uh, one of the things that I find really interesting is that, you know, there was there there have been and there were great debates about whether he was a, a pagan heretic um, or, or, you know, like an, an atheist, someone who believed only in the realm of matter, you know, or, or was he uh, someone who should be, you know, con considered like, a um, you know, a, a, a sort of um, scientific Catholic or something like that. Um, anyway, I, I think, you know, I, I saw him with the moon in Taurus. You don't know if this is a rectified, probably is a rectified chart and it's early Taurus. So yeah, it's, maybe he's not even, he could be a moon in Aries for all we know. But if he was a moon in Taurus, then one of the things that uh, I would say is interesting about him is the way that he makes us look at the earth and our place as humans in the universe or in the, in the solar system uh, and the way that his observations about very physical things uh, were taken as, you know, great threats to spiritual things. And that's sort of what the moon in Taurus makes us do. I think that's why you see people like Carl Jung uh, or Edgar Cayce with the moon in Taurus. There's a way in which they're forcing us to consider the relationship between the animal, the instinctual, the physical, the bodily, the unconscious, and something of our spirits or souls. Anyway, uh, so I'm never surprised when I see characters like that. Carlos Castaneda is another great example, someone who wrote a lot about, 
you know, the, the magic of, uh, you know, sort of Southwestern desert shamanism, like peyote and stuff like that. Um, and there's a lot you could say about, about him as well. Um, you know, there's, there's problems with a lot of these individuals, but that's, uh, you know, I think that the, the earth magic of the native American, um, entheogenic traditions that he explored, um, is very moon and Taurus. Uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, uh, one of the catalyzers of uh, uh, socialist theory, um, I think that's interesting because it's a little bit like Karl Marx. Uh, you get some of that um, into the interest in class and income and economic disparities. But then you have people like Bernie Madoff who make a ton of money and are very wealthy, but turn out to be this sort of greedy, you know, minotaur. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to judge him, but like, that's a, that is a, a dark moon in Taurus, right? <laughs> it's a, it's an, a story of wealth, greed, and, sh you know, almost like you show this sort of sweet Taurus thing to the world, but there's this kind of like ravenous um, uh, beast inside. This is sort of the, the shadow of greed or, you know, like uh, addiction and stuff like that. Anyway, there's William Shatner. I just, I didn't know exactly what to say about him, but when I saw him, I was like, yeah, I just feel like, his mood, his temperament feels very moon and Taurus, feels very moon and Taurus to me. <laughs> or Michael Landon, which I felt like is a very similar temperament, also moon and Taurus. Um, just the temperament is just kind of like, like little house on the prairie, right? It's just a sort of like slow, steady, you know, sort of earthy. Anyway, those I was just kind of having fun with. How about Ama, the hugging saint, who has the moon and in Taurus as well. She literally is, a, is thought of as the incarnation of a goddess who goes around hugging people. <laughs> Florence Nightingale, how about the, um, you know, sort of known for being the uh, founder or catalyzer of modern nursing, if I have that right? Moon in Taurus. Stan Lee, I thought this was really, um, this was a really interesting one to me because Stan Lee is basically like the uh, the czar of the comic book empire, and think about what think about what the comic book empire has go on to become in in Hollywood and in, in you know the past fifteen years, I guess. Um, but I find it interesting that like one of the themes that I think you'll find throughout his work is that of um, the intersection between earthly powers and like the realms of the gods. Like a lot of his characters are are gods, or they are, you know, um, a man become um, a spider, or like Sp Spider Man, or uh, the. But the, my my simple point is that there's all of these stories about mutation and the melding of like animal powers with human powers, or the realm of the gods um, and the realm of Earth. He he has this grasp, in, and I was someone who read comic books a lot as a kid, and I'm not so into the whole. Hollywood comic book movie thing. Um, I in fact, I'm getting kind of like, um, I feel uh, sort of assaulted by, <laughs> by it at this point. But anyway, um, but Stanley has has this like artistic empire that strikes me as having a pretty deep grasp on the human unconscious and um, and the the sort of animal primal, uh, you know, natural part of us. And it's it's also our desire to be somehow more than we are uh, to reach to the realm of God. Superheroes are sort of godlike. And so the juxtaposition between the, the sort of Taurus moon in his chart, for example, are like Mars, Uranus, and Pisces. I think that's a really interesting combination. Um, 
or um, even, you know, like Capricorn, um, the sun opposite Pluto strikes me as uh, Capricorn sun opposite Pluto strikes me as the, the, um, the interest in people like mutating and completely transforming. Uh, but at any rate, I, I just, I thought like, again, not all of these, I totally grasp as I sit with them, you know, more, I'm sure that more would come up, but for Stan Lee, I just think, well, he's, he made an artistic empire and a lot of that empire seems to tap into the relation between the human unconscious and the drive to be immortal and the, uh, animal powers that live within us and things like mutation and stuff like that. A lot of it's very Torian. Uh, anyway, so that concludes my list of examples. There's sort of, you know, I, I, I try to present things to you guys that I think are good examples, but they're not always examples that I feel like I, I perfectly understand. So if some of my explanations are lacking or you feel like you could fill in the blanks a little bit with any of them, please do. I would love that because that makes for really good conversation in the chat box. Now you know a little bit more about the moon in Taurus. Um, I think that it's one of the most magical moon placements. My wife has the moon in Taurus. Um, I think it was really interesting that like one of the biggest transformations of her life, and I know she wouldn't mind saying this because she said it in many, multiple uh, videos that she's made. I have um, dog slime on my shirt. You can kind of see her paws. You can kind of see the paw. Let me see if I can turn this just a little bit. There's there's Hilda, sound asleep. She's my superpower. <laughs> anyway, um, Ashley shared this before, but as a moon in Taurus, um, you know, when she was younger, she was super into like the, the rave club scene and, and did a lot of MDMA. And then it got sort of to this point where it was becoming really unhealthy. And... Um, so she made the transition into yoga, which at the time for her was about tapping into the same bodily Shakti, you know, but doing it in a way that wasn't creating lots of problems. And that's a very bull-like shadow, right? The, the ecstasy, the MDMA, the dance club, the rave, you know, it's a very bull scene that can become Minotaur. And then finding yoga for her was this kind of transition into something that could tap into the same power, the, the Shakti, the Kund she studied Kundalini yoga for a while too, but then it holds it in a way that doesn't allow for the Minotaur to sort of take over and destroy. You'll find that dichotomy is probably the easiest, simplest way of understanding some of what makes the moon in Taurus so beautiful and so deep um, and, and sometimes dark. Anyway, I, again, I hope that you find this series useful, that if you know some of the moon and Taurus, you have the moon and Taurus, it fills out your understanding a little bit, or just add something cool to it. Um, that is what I've got, but stick around because Kaylee Haynes is going to share with you some of her beautiful moon poetry and take us into a little uh, moon and Taurus immersion. So uh, without further ado, here's Kaylee. Hello again. My name is Kaylee. I am back with another poem to add to this beautiful series by Adam about the moon through the signs. Today we are doing the moon in Taurus and I have two spoken word poems for you. One is channeled similar to last time. Uh, it came through after listening to Adam's interpretation of the moon in Taurus and the second one is a poem that I wrote two summers ago that I just felt um, really matched with the energy of the moon in Taurus. 
I am wearing my Moon and Taurus outfit. Um, if you are listening to the recording of this, you won't see it. But if you're on YouTube, then you can see um, me embodying the Taurus vibes. And um, I hope you enjoy this poetry. What do you know about this dark earth? This fertile soil from which all things grow, I am the steady drum thrumming deep in your bones. I am the relentless beat of desires you seek to control. I am the vines that creep and bind lovers' limbs and souls. I am the growing heat of bodies kissed by the sun. I am the pleasure of creation and the resting place when all is done. Thank you. That was the first poem. That was the channeled poem. And here's the second one. Bug bitten rump. I love her. Not because she is beautiful, though she is that. And she's every ugly bug that eats the tree. But no, that is not why I love her. I love her because she is free. And that's the thing, isn't it? The wild doesn't contort to our perfect plan. It follows the will of some invisible hand shooting sprigs through every pristine block we try to lay. And that's the most beautiful thing, isn't it? That we can't have it our way. That creeping vines obeying the call of the sun will dismantle every perfect prison we try to become and always lead us home. Thank you so much. I am so honored to share my poetry with you and thankful for Adam for including me. And I can't wait for the next episode in the series where I can share more poetry. And bye. <laughs>